Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Hey, guys. Hello. Or whatever day we're taking Hello. this. <laughs> Hi, what are we all doing here? Why are we on a podcast? Starting a podcast, I guess. It's time for the More in Lesson <laughs> podcast. Watch this. Ready? Oh, it didn't work. I tried to play a sound. <laughs> that's the, that's sound the box. What happened to my sound box? That's the cold open for the week. Aw. What happened Aww. to my sound box? Technology. Sam, Next Sam's week. Sam's still working on his podcasting skills. But yeah, we, we will soon have sound effects here on More or Less. And my take on why we're starting this is because, let's see, we're four people uh, that are married, not all to each other. Uh, two sets of marriages, the Morins and the Lessons. Uh, we've been in around Silicon Valley for uh, a couple decades now, aging ourselves. And um, I think we have a lot of opinions around what is new and interesting and next. And we've been in the throes of entrepreneurship and venture. And I, we've also worked at major companies. Uh, we've So yeah, this is like the new place to tune into to learn what's really going on under the hood here in Silicon Valley. What do you think, Jeff? We also know each other's deep, dark secrets. For our usual friendship conversations, Dave and Britt can tee up fun topics about how the future is going to be awesome, and then I can shit all over them. <laughs> more or less. <laughs> more yeah. or less. So we would say tune in every week to kind of hear what the latest, what happened in tech this week, optimist view, pessimist view, sort of debated in real time from folks who are in it. So... Um, I like it. We're going to do it. Let's see how it goes. Uh, busy week. Good week to kind of kick things off, right? We've got the launch, finally, of Apple's, um, what, what should we call it? Ski goggle computer television face device? I mean, Jess, <laughs> we have to give you really big props for getting the industrial design right, what, many years ahead of time? Two years ago, we published the render, of, and it looks the same, so that tells you how long it makes to be takes to make Didn't that almost, that, weren't there some lawsuits threatened on that one this is where when you say we know each other's deep dark secrets my husband <laughs> gets me in trouble <laughs> um, actually, to be clear not that one not that one oh, but, well, well then but plenty of others i hear about all your lawsuits jess you know, uh, get me going on this pod by episode three we'll, we'll be there <laughs> we'll see but, where we end up no obviously like i mean i'm really curious for what Dave, who worked at Apple, um, Sam and Dave, who worked at Meta, which is obviously um, the I can't main call competitor it Meta. I'm sorry, for, it's Facebook for this to device me right now. I I'll just say like it seemed like the device came out and everyone was like, Ugh. and then I woke up the next morning and tech reviewers were like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and all of a sudden this tiny corner of the technology press had just decided this thing was the greatest thing than some sliced bread. And I, I actually said in our editor's meeting, like, what happened? Like, we went to bed with one set of views and woke up with another. Now, the, first of all, people aren't going to be able to buy this until next year. And all we got this week, right, was, was some really some videos. But Dave, over to you. What should we make of this? Well, I think that my judgment on the product itself uh, has to be reserved until I experience it. Does um, it? Does it really? <laughs> I think we can talk about the category. I mean, Sam, I, I think that we can talk about the category and what I think about the category. Uh, but I, I think it's really hard to have a, a product opinion about an experience that one doesn't have. I also think that 
in this category in particular, it's very hard to communicate what that experience is. Like my point of view is that it's a, almost impossible to communicate a three-dimensional or four-dimensional experience on a two-dimensional screen. And we saw this with Meta. Um, you know, every time Meta launched a new version of their headset, it was, you know, to try as they might, it was incredibly hard to translate what was going on inside the thing um, to uh, your traditional launch channels in media. And I think that's like actually a really interesting aspect of what's going on with this entire category. Hmm. I think it's interesting that you didn't see uh, any of our friends down there wearing the headset. There's no photos of anyone wearing one, uh, which I, I didn't, that was something I woke up this morning and just, I hadn't thought about yesterday. I was watching everything going on and uh, trying to interpret it and uh, develop an opinion about what I think. And I thought it was interesting that there were no live Yeah, and just for context, photos for people, or videos. Like your traditional Apple launch event like is all about the product and all about getting the product in influencers' hands, tech influencers, celebrity influencers. Same with journalists, right? And I think in this case, you know, we were not invited um, to attend um, this press spectacle, which is very typical for, I think the same is true of, of publications like Bloomberg that break a lot of news on Apple. So that, that's not that atypical. But I think like some of the journalists got to use it, but not even all of the journalists. Yeah, that's so. what I'm kind of confused about. And maybe it's just early. Uh, that's why I think this is a very difficult conversation to have. I was the one thing I woke up this morning thinking was uh, how impressed I was with the breadth of what happened yesterday. If you kind of put aside the Vision Pro itself, and then you look at the entire rest of what's going on. I mean, the Mac Pro is completely unbelievable um, from a silicon perspective. And what they're doing with, you know, chips is just crazy. And almost no one's talking about it. Like I woke up this morning going, okay, which thing am I excited to spend my money on? Like I want one of those towers uh, to work on some of the, you know, I've been playing around with vector databases and machine learning quite a bit. And I, I actually woke up this morning going, that's what I am excited to spend my money on. I'm excited to maybe spend my money on the Vision Pro, but uh, I don't know what it feels like. And what about you, Britt? You buying one? You're a um, missed so, early adopter. Well, here's how I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, uh, I could see, you know, having worked in media for a long time, like this is really cool for immersive entertainment, as are all headsets, I think. Um, I do believe the screen technology that they've built is going to be like, I mean, they literally are going to be like the sharpest, best screens in your house. Like some of the integrations they've done with um, like the eyesight stuff, like is really cool. I would love to use them on airplanes first and foremost, because <laughs> uh, that's when I really want to be in my little cave. But I, I started thinking like, regardless of what I think of this, and by the way, I do think it's going to get more universal, obviously, in like five or 10 years when these look like real glasses, which everyone thinks will ultimately happen, but it's been a pipe dream for a long time. Except but for then Sam. I was like, Sam thinks it's going to take longer. We'll get to you over there. We're going to go to Sam next. Yeah. And I have one last, I have one oh, last wow. thing to say before Sam gets in. Okay. Which, okay. okay. So I was like, here I am. I'm 37. Um, you know, we're all kind of in our like late 30s, 40s. <clears throat> 
What we care just the about. the point of the pod when you talk about how much younger you are than the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, I just like to plug that every okay, now. You know, that. as the sole you know person in their thirties on this podcast. I'm in my thirties. <laughs> Sam's oh, got a month left. Okay. I was like, does it even matter what we think, or is it really like what Gen Z thinks? But Gen Z is not shelling out. But that's know. the problem. It's three thousand dollars. But when it's like five hundred dollars, it's just like the cool factor. So we played the whole keynote for Ansel, our eight-year-old son, who's really like. 20 years old and is you guys are hilarious you show your kids apple oh, to be fair he wanted to watch it we didn't play it for him he was okay. he was very keen on the news yesterday his oh body God. was literally shaking with excitement when this thing came on the screen it was like it, it was, was interesting like to a watch. gravitational pull coming from the universe. Like, like he was like, Oh my God. Like he was losing his shit. And then Bob Iger comes out from Disney and stuff. Like I'm not I, just did he lose the shit for Bob Iger. He's like, Oh my God. Bob <laughs> Iger. Like, and all this stuff like ninjas you can fight. And Wait, I don't know, whatever. Eight, right. Just eight, nine, eight. He's eight and a half. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm not discounting. Like, I think this is going to have like really interesting implications for teens, Gen Z, um, future of entertainment, future of learning. I think like creativity is going to be like really interesting. So that's my like macro take. Micro take is like $3,000 is a lot of money for a lot of people. And I think, you know, Apple has said they have modest expectations and we'll see what happens. Sam. I have two other things to say before Sam jumps in. Okay. Okay. Um, one thing is that I think that there's a divergent view of the future of computing playing out. One camp is represented by the more interface camp, and the other camp is represented by the less interface camp. That's clever, Dave. Ooh, nice tie, Dave. Ooh, so the more don't interface put AI camp in, my, in our family category. Yeah, the, exactly. The the more interface camp is represented by Meta and Apple. You know, when they displayed the example for sports was the one that I really keyed in on. You know, you had this incredible amount of interface coming out in every direction. It's like as if the, you know, what was this two-dimensional screen is becoming this just more, more, more. And anytime you develop more interface, you have to learn it, right? And that takes time and uh, cognitive overhead. And on the other hand, we have GPT representing the other, the less interface camp, which on a daily basis, I'm mind blown by the sheer power. I mean, we're talking about a literal supercomputer that you can access by just chatting and it's almost invisible. And I think you have a really divergent set of two futures playing out here, which to me, I think is one of the more interesting things happening at this moment in time. And so that was the the other thing that it just really had me thinking all day yesterday. Love it. Sam? I mean, look, I think that there's this spectrum between science fiction, hardcore technology, and actual consumer uh, experiences that you kind of play across in different dimensions. And a lot of people have made money in history by betting on science fiction plus hardcore being at the right moment when it goes into a consumer experience. But a lot of people have missed pretty hard where they confuse what is science fiction or what is hardcore tech with actual things that are ready for prime time in any way, shape, or form, right? So I think, look, VR. Is VR part of the narrative of the future of humanity? Unless we really fuck up, yeah, right? Like, it is, right? Like, and why? It's like, well, because we all live sweet lives, right? But a lot of people don't, and they live in shitty environments, and escaping into immersive 3D world 
where you're the hero of the story and spending all your time in super video games that are immersive is like obviously going to happen in some segments, right? Same thing with AI. It's like, you know, will you have the her interface in some form that, you know, both is a super cool companion in a lot of ways and helps you with a lot of stuff? Will a lot of people lose themselves into that plus VR where it turns out the virtual girlfriend's way more compelling than the real girlfriend, et cetera? Yeah, like that's, that's all part of a science fiction future. It's both optimistic and pessimistic. Right, and it will play out on some timeline unless we can't get the fundamental tech there. Right, then you have the fundamental tech story, and that I think like the GPT stuff, you know, large language models is super fun to play with and super cool. I think it will accelerate product. It is consumerizable. It's not intelligence, right? But it's super yeah. cool and like really valuable that way. You know, the thing I haven't gone deep enough on Apple stuff is like they're fundamentally great hardware people. Like there are a bunch of super hard problems to making any sort of VR environment real. Right, which gets down to things like, all right, like the resolution, brightness, like, you know, energy management, power. Like these are all like really hardcore problems that are really, really hard. And so if you're a two trillion dollar company, if you commit enough resources and it's doable, will you eventually get there? That'd be cool, right? And like maybe this is a step or at least a tip in the hat in the direction of them making that very, very long-term investment. But you then you get back to like, is this a consumer product anyone's gonna use? And I don't think so, right? Um, is the honest it's answer. To be fair, it wasn't positioned as one, right? Like it no, was positioned that. as a pro it's a, it's, pro it's, product. It's, you know, I think I think um, I almost wish it was positioned more pro. Like yeah, I mean, it's pretty clearly pro. They're like, they, when have you ever seen them launch a pro thing before the thing, right? Like at a price point that, like, you know, I probably. I'm conflicted about whether I'll buy it. I might buy it just because I buy everything to play with it. You'll buy it. Yeah, I probably will. Right. And I'll probably use it three times and then regret having bought it. Um, you know, I, but I think I, I'll tell you the difference, which is like when the iPhone came out and I was in my 20s at that point, not 30s. Right. Like I wanted one and I didn't buy the first one because I loved my Blackberry and I still love my Blackberry. But I knew I'd end up owning one. Right. At some you point. You still have a Blackberry? No, I was saying I loved it then. I would. I, I would, would love if the BlackBerry, the BlackBerry came was back. The greatest device ever. Right? I want BlackBerry plus GPT more than anything right now. You're not alone. I mean, it'd be, I mean, the, the only problem is you also kind of want Spotify and Maps. Otherwise, yeah, we can, but we can do those two too. Uh, as long as hard. the primary, it's, it's, the primary doing, function is GPT sides. and BlackBerry. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm with you oh on God, that. Is one. there going to be a GPT phone? I hope so. I think I, I think I'd be seed invest Android. in it. Okay, first uh, startup idea of the pod. Someone go build oh, one and call yeah, these guys. Yeah. Should we have more or less inventions? Yep. Okay, that's Request the first one. We're going to take 10% of all your future profits. Revenue, no, we'll give profit. you millions. Of, what are you talking about? We're investing. Yeah, we'll invest. Like, yeah. we'll, co-invest. Co-invest. We're not yeah, gonna, co-invest. We don't take anything. We'll give it but to you we'll for free. We'll have an SPV for the audience. Slow it to offline. The audience the, can invest um, with us. We'll write about you in the information. How about that? There you go. I mean, like, honestly, that's go kind of more the, the jam. There's a lot of go. free services packed on this call. And talk about you on the pod. You can interview on the pod even. Yeah, okay, I don't we know. have to discuss where we're drawing the line, but return. I don't know. So I think, I like, look, it's, 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 it's in the science fiction narrative. It's cool. I'm really interested in how they solved a bunch of, like, super hard engineering problems that my understanding are really fucking hard. Yeah, right? There's yeah. clearly yeah. some insane technology. Mean, like, the eye-tracking, eyesight stuff, I mean, seems pretty darn cool. I mean, I think, by all accounts, the things that were really held it up were, like, the curved nature of the glass, which is really hard. Still has a battery pack, which is something they really wanted to avoid, but is just kind of. It makes sense, though. Today. You need Wait, a lot of energy. It's that big a deal to me now. It's sort of at the time. People look pretty stupid with it. 
the better. But I think that was going to happen anyway. It doesn't matter when you put a computer on your head. You know, when you put a computer on your head, you're not. You know, (laughs) we put a fucking CD player on our console in our cars and with a tape Uh, connected to it in the car. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Like. We are the generation yeah. though. I don't know. Cool I'm just talking. I'm like, I've got like physical therapy tape on my shoulder. I don't know. That's that, fair. You know, sometimes you just like make it work. It's for my posture. I have a question though. I mean, okay, Sam, if you could develop like the ultimate personal computing device, what would the form factor be? Oh, I'm a Dave. I'm in Dave's camp. I think he's right. I think it's a zero interface thing, right? Like for sure. I definitely don't want, I mean, I hate, I don't, I mean, I'm surrounded by enormous amounts of screens right in this moment. Right. Um, but I don't want them. Right. Like, so that's, that's unquestionably true. I mean, I think if you want to so be really abstract, like, spatially around neural, you. Neural, like in the science fiction to reality thing, it's like Neuralink and like everyone's messing around with human brain interface. They're not wrong. Right. It's just like a ridiculous science project that, you know, f- compared to like where reality, now I'm happy people pursue those things. You know, I do think it's kind of weird that as a country, if you think about it, there's like kind of three organizations that in theory could pursue this stuff. Like it's academics, the government or private businesses. Right. And like it's kind of a weird moment in history where like a lot of these Grail-esque type projects, like they're not being done in academia because they're too expensive and like the coordination doesn't work. Government has kind of absolved this. Right? You know, I, I always, I'm always hoping the government is doing super cool shit that we're, we don't know about. And it might be true Ooh, in some categories. And there's a story we could like, talk about from this week in that realm. Yes, there is. And we should get into that. But I'd say like the government doing cool shit, like, you know, if the government was developing AI, there'd be all sorts of other problems, right? Um, from But like, you, you, there's a different story there. And then you end up with this weird thing where like a few incredibly rich private companies can and like how they select what to spend those resources on and like, you know, what's actually accretive to shareholders versus just like legacy building, you know, how they think about their brand and these things I think is like pretty weird, honestly. So I'm, again, I'm not against it. I think it's great. It's just like, it's a weird point we are in history where like, yes, there are these science fiction futures, but they're not coming from academia. They're not coming from nonprofits. They're not coming from the government. They are coming from a handful of like super rich companies that can afford to kind of shave off a few billion dollars here or there to play. Or they could be coming from super advanced civilizations in parts unknown. Hmm. Sure. Okay. Well, I I think those are great thoughts on this topic. We have a couple more. I want to get to your secret government topic. And then we, of course, have to get to the Coinbase lawsuit. Sorry, Sam, but we're going to need to talk about the... um, I didn't even know that happened. Oh, what? Yeah, Dave, did you miss the news yesterday? Uh, (laughs) I I could only handle potential. I could only handle Apple Reality Pro and potential UFOs in government secret hangars. I'm done saying Sequoia, but if we don't have time to get to that, we don't have time to get to that. So let's what did you guys want to talk about about secret government stuff? Well, it seems like there is a pattern of disclosure going on. Um at the government level related to potential, you know, unidentified aerial phenomena. Um, and, you know, there's not hard data yet. Nothing's been shown. But these disclosures seem to be happening at an increasing rate. And the Can you, people I, who... I kind of missed this. Just so, did the government say that UFOs are real? Yeah, there was a, there was a piece yesterday by Leslie Keene, um, who's not a, you know, 
she's a re- pretty respectable journalist. Um, and uh, I can't remember who the co-author was. Uh, I believe it was on Debrief or it something like that. Is it Zork from the planet Klingon? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was a pretty interesting set of data displayed yesterday, um, which I think somewhat changes the tapestry of the conversation. And So, uh, Dave, have you read this book, Area 51, An Uncensored History? Yes. Great book. This is a book alert. There's, there'll be a lot of these on the pod. We read this a lot of books. Say it again, I this book. Casey Neistat told me to read it. Loved it. Right? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the thing that that, the argument that book makes, I think, fairly compellingly, is that if you look at the history of government UFO disclosures, a lot of it comes down to the fact that, like, there's this really hard problem, which is the government's, in the, specifically with Area 51, is always testing, like, super advanced technology. Yeah. And people would see it because it's pretty hard to hide all the time. And then they'd have this really awkward position where, like, they didn't want to confirm it, but they didn't want to deny it. And so people would be like, oh, it's a UFO. And they're like, eh, I guess we'll confirm this to cover up the fact that it's actually the SR-71 Blackbird, right? And so I just wonder, I mean, I agree, more cameras, more everything, you know, more chatter, you're going to get more of this stuff. But the Occam's razor to this for sure, is like kind of the Area 51 uncensored history explanation, which is like the government's been very wishy-washy about both promoting and squashing this for political slash like, you know, like cover-up reasons that kind of leads you to believe there'll just be more of that, right? So we got to do a poll here. So what what do we believe, like if and do yeah, you think- Yeah, I think the poll the line, is like, kind of, do you, based on what you're hearing today in 2023, I like what Dylan Field's been doing. Like every year he asks- uh, the same question, which is, you know, do you believe in this more or less today than you did last year? And that kind of, I think, is the question. Like, what does this information change of your worldview, if anything at all? Um, I think the one thing in this set of data that's most interesting and um, hmm. is that there's a, there's a scientist from Stanford named Gary Nolan And he's talked about this in somewhat public forums before, but it's been pretty under the radar. This is the most public I've ever seen him talk about it. And we do some stuff around this down at the Esalen Institute where I'm the chairman. And uh, so I've heard about this stuff a lot in the past, Um, but he has materials that he has run studies on, um, which he claims are from this program and from, uh, you know, interacting with government agencies of various types. And these materials don't have, uh, isotopes that are known on earth. And I think that's like a pretty interesting set of data that, Hmm. um, doesn't have an explanation. And, you know, I guess we need confirmation from wherever it came from, but, um, it's, you know, interesting material science. Okay, so Sam, do you think UFOs, objects of non-human made origin, well, do we want to ask the yes or no question, or do you believe more in them now than you did a year ago question? Hmm, Now than a year ago. Okay, Sam, you're first. Well, I'd say I definitely believe that it seems likely that aliens exist in some form in the infiniteness of the universe. Are they buzzing around Earth in ships? No. Okay, Dave? Uh, my opinion hasn't changed on this, but I was aware of this information <laughs> a few years so you ago. Believe, so. Like you believe that there's you know, is it feeling stronger now than it was last year, Dave? Uh, yes, there's more people talking about it. I think that the um, 
You know, one of the things I had heard a few years ago was that the focus on this is not just in the air, but it's in the water. And Ooh. the fact that when you read the appropriations documents uh, that have been moving through the Senate and et cetera, they changed the name of this uh, committee that they formed to be the Underwater and Aerial Phenomena mm -hmm. Study Committee. I had heard that it was something, you know, that I had heard a while ago, but the fact that these things are actually starting to move into these bills and into like very serious procedural machinations of the government says to me that there's more here than, than we might know. Um, but, you know, I'm a data-driven guy, so I want to see the data. Brett? Well, my venture brain is wondering, what is this new material and can we create anything interesting out of it? Um, <laughs> For future generations. I do not um, think that seed funds will be the ones lining up to profit on that. So? No. <laughs> Sadly, um, it may be the same, it may be the same buckets of capital that you talked about in the last <laughs> conversation, Sam. Also, like if you were if I was an alien and I was from an advanced tech like uh, world planet, I wouldn't you try to shrink yourself down to be like almost invisible if you're gonna go spy in the US, like I would be like a fly. Well, but I, don't, I think we're they're not talking about like sentient human like life. <laughs> no, talking they're talking about, like, about craft. Shit, we can't explain. Like I don't know. I think they're talking about materials and um, you know propulsion. Yeah. And also, and I, I have many questions. Like, does craft just mean like material, or does it like mean it doesn't mean Flying a vehicle. objects? It's just stuff. Or swimming objects. Stuff. I don't know. I. Uh, I mean, I believe there's there's stuff out there. It's a big, you know. I listen to a lot of podcasts with the kids. I mean, there's a lot, big, big universe. Um, okay, from the alien to the crypto, because we, I think we've got. About, so just just yeah. to, I read it just to make a fine point. Yes. It says the material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. Okay, I also want to know what a vehicle is, like wheel, yeah. like, like. It's a, a bronco. it's a I mean, bronco it's, it's made of weird isotopes. Why, like, I'm me? also, you know, a big opportunity. the editor me is fascinated. This was in this publication, the debrief. I mean, I guess it's based on like a whistleblower. Um, fascinating. No, this is a good find. This is a good, good one to keep, keep the brain humming. So the SEC, which has made um, no secret of its fact that its plan is to sue um, every major crypto project in the United States, including some not, right? I actually sued Binance the day before they sued Coinbase. Um, we knew this was coming. Coinbase actually tried to build a whole PR campaign around yeah, was, Hasn't this was been coming. kind of a back and forth for quite a well, while at this point? Well, they got a notice a few weeks ago. So, so yeah. we knew it was coming, but it's here. And I think the reaction we heard is, I mean, it's actually a pretty broad case. Like, they're not... Many of the cases to date had been arguing over whether a particular token was a security. Um, this case is also talking and, and claiming um, that it is not legal to operate exchanges. I think even questioning some of the situation around wallets. So way broader, I think, than than others. But um, Sam, you obviously follow this. I mean, look, everyone's got their own narrative around this and who knows. I mean, the reality is, is my understanding is like the government's basically losing the SEC is losing the XRP case, right? The Ripple case, 
Which is yeah. over the token is security. Yeah, what, yeah, was, Sam, what was that case? Just so everybody understands. Just claiming that XRP, the Ripple tokens, is security. And they've actually, my understanding uh. is basically lost all of the major cases they've tried to go against legitimate projects. They've won them against the things that are pure scams, which there are in crypto. Like they've won some cases, but As all the should. major ones of legitimate projects they've lost. And my understanding is like, yeah, they're trying to be aggressive, but they're kind of going for partial victories wherever they can get them. Right, right now, um, look, I think the really big story on this, honestly, is like the thing the crypto industry has been asking for for literally a decade is just clarity, right? And so to some degree, you know, technology moves pretty fast. There's a lot of really interesting applications of this type of stuff. I think it's great that effectively, I don't think even the SEC is claiming things like Bitcoin or Ethereum or actually securities anymore, right? Um, you know, that we've kind of moved beyond that. And so I think a lot of these kind of things like... Is that true know, or is this wrapped up in that question? I don't think so. I think everyone's kind of, even the SEC has come to... And again, I, you know, my understanding is, is like those two, as in terms of how they were launched and, you know, how they've grown are, are not considered securities uh, by anyone. So look, I, again, I think in the end of the day, the only thing the crypto community really wants is clarity more yeah. than anything else. And, you know, if this is one step more towards clarity and some pain on the way there, that's fine. Um so I don't know. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of optimistic that the ball is moving forward. The regulators are getting more sophisticated. There'll be good things put in place. And I, I do actually think people understand in the government that, like, if you want to be, if you want the United States to be an innovator in this, this is happening with it without the U.S. Laws need to be good and clear, right? You know, you don't want bad actors. You do want good actors. You do want good policy. So I don't know. My kind of net on the whole thing is like. It's fine, um, and if anything, it's like better for it to happen sooner than later. And like, the, it isn't like there's any super smoking gun here. It's going to be like a lot of like effectively trench warfare over very specific things, which will play out over a very long period of time. Is but this the right way to go about this? It's the political way. People want to score points in different places. I mean, yeah. it's the way. It's the horse we got. I mean, I don't like. Right or wrong, like I think I mean, what would have been right would have been had clarity on this at a federal level a decade ago, right? I, and I mean, like, I think I, if I, you're, I think what you outlined, Sam, is how regulation of new technology often proceeds, especially in the U.S. But I'm not sure that's going to happen in this case. I mean, if you zoom out, players in the industry are incredibly weakened by this. I mean, there's been a lot of factors besides regulation to like the collapse of, of key parts of the ecosystem. I don't but, know. I mean, it's, it's kind of shocking I mean, to me that there's this big regulation. they're going to have to leave the I'm country. You know, big, I mean, they're backpedaling that's on doable. that a little bit. It's a bit, big but. world. I mean, Bitcoin's down. I'm looking right now in the last week, 2%. ETH is down a percent. Like this is kind of a big nothing burger from how the like, crypto markets are digesting yeah. it, right? And these are highly global things. So look, the US should have good regulation. And we should be a leader in this, and we're set up to be, and we have the technology. We have the we have a lot of things in our favor on this side. It's deeply but, frustrating that we're not. But it is what it is, and like you know, the world will, as technology always does, reorganize around whatever the government decides is reality. I mean, you know, we we can have just in Europe, you can have a thousand GDPR pop ups if that's what the government really wants, and like fine, right? So like, I'm not super worried about it long term. Technology, I think, will kind of continue to march on and. I'd be happy for there to be more clarity, personally. I think the same thing's playing out with AI, right? And it's like a shame it took the government so long to do this for crypto. Like, I think we're going to have to figure out what the AI regulation stuff I think there's a big difference, through. guys. I mean, yeah, the I current, think there's a big the difference. The position of the U.S. government is basically that Coinbase shouldn't exist. I mean, if you look at the, bre the, the number of businesses that it's arguing are operating illegally is 
numerous. Well, to be clear, right? it's not the government; it's the SEC. I'm sorry, right? the SEC. And right? like, but well, the government has decided right. they're not going to legislate, and Gary's going to legislate. So I think the I think Gary's decided that Gary's going to legislate. Yeah, I'm not sure that he, like that's you know, actually he has what... a boss, right? And so I I think that like. I mean, we've all covered and witnessed sort of Washington being more or less aggressive in different like tech epochs. But I I think the current, you know, the administration isn't saying like, let's put up some safeguards around crypto. They're basically saying these things shouldn't operate. And look, if Coinbase is like the most legitimate of the players. So I don't think it will end in Armageddon. And I... I, I think that, you know, the right, the global point is the right point in terms of what happens to the technology. But like, I don't think it's very rare to basically, you know, it's it's like the government suing meta and saying, actually, photo sharing is illegal. Well, and actually, yeah. letting I'm, people I'm gonna have to run, text here's, here's, is illegal. And like, it, they're, it, they're fishing. Different. They want some, they want a pound of flesh. Right. And what I basically say is like the, um, the one thing I will say I think is precarious for crypto at this moment, and I've said this for a long time and I really believe it, is the way this usually works with technology regulation is some people want something, but there's a ton of user benefit that people really care about. And so they can't go too far because the people really want it. So AI in Europe this is, is the perfect. TikTok situation. Well, and this is, it's also the it's also like the hilarious open AI Italy situation where like Italy was like open AI is completely non-compliant with our privacy laws. Absolutely true, right? That we're shutting it off. And like <laughs> OpenAI put up a web form and it is like, well, if you put up the web form, which does nothing to solve the problem, then like I guess it's okay. But like really the story there is it was like, fuck, our people kind of want this, right? And so I think the story of crypto right now, the place the reason I think it is slightly different or like it does need to figure it out is like the way this usually works is like people are like, I love this thing, it's super valuable, I really care about it, but and like there's a balance there. I think crypto is in a moment where like it's searching for a meaningful use case beyond Bitcoin. I think those exist, but like the timeline is ticking to have those in a way that people care about. Or the government gets a lot more free lane to be like, well, we both we don't like this and no one seems to give a shit. Right. And that's the place you don't want to be as a tech platform. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, Brad, I cut sure. you off. That, Do you want I got to say run, more guys. about regulation? Okay. We can wrap. Oh, okay. Oh, so I think Sam's out. You know, everyone's got a ticking, ticking schedule here at more or less. We, we keep it busy. Um, Although he did promise to be here for the, you know, majority going forward. The point I was trying to make was just more that like, I'm hopeful. It'd be great. <laughs> this is a pipe dream. This is the more of me. Um, if like we could get in a more accelerated rhythm with government regulation with some of these key innovations happening in technology. And I think I would imagine the time it took to start regulating crypto more efficiently is is going to be longer than the time it takes to regulate AI just because of the pace it's moving. Um, and I think that like the lawmakers are, are having to, they're forced to like figure this out faster because it's impacting so much of the economy. Right. So crypto yeah. wasn't, I think having as much of an impact on the economy as AI will, and, and there will be like an accelerated time frame to start leaning in there. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to have exhaustive conversations about AI regulation because, man, that's going to be a fun one. Um, okay, guys, we should probably wrap. But before, does anyone have like a a win of the week they want to share? Something great that happened? Something great Ooh. they saw, read? Oh my um, gosh, so many things. 
I know. We're like, oh, it was a bad week. There isn't that much. It's just like, get your kids graduated from preschool week. Yeah, we are. Okay, I have something. Okay. Buzz patch. They are stickers that repel mosquitoes that your kids can wear so they don't have to spray them with yucky, smelly stuff. And as a chaperone of the school camp out last week, I can oh, yeah. How did that children go? Loved them. <laughs> it was everything you would have expected of chaperoning a first to fifth grade school camp out for two nights. However, um, having a little innovation in there made a difference. And like kids wearing stickers rather than like being sprayed with. Do they know. work? I mean, I've tried all yeah. those things. I don't work. It's like we shark were, bands. I think they have the opposite effect, but yes. Uh, well, we were like testing them by holding the like a hand with a sticker on it up as a mosquito was like circling and it did fly away. So, I mean, one, we, we did some well, experimentation. Britt's got the recommendation. She's got the test. I love it. My, my is more of a plea now that Sam is gone. I need Father's Day gift ideas like ASAP. So um, mm-hmm. if anyone has ideas, he's a tough man to buy stuff for. Um, Dave's really interested in like high tech grill, grilling equipment. Mm, oh yeah. Well, I, I asked yes. chat GPT and it gave me the most, I mean, it gave me the answer you'd expect, like something personalized. And if he's outdoorsy, buy him a sporting bag, a sporting <laughs> he's got too many. Uh, he's got too many sporting bags. He doesn't need another one. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, he's got, yeah. So anyway, I like to. I heard about an electric mountain bike that uh, some friends of ours are using in Kauai that might be a good one for him. I'll send it to you later. Uh, you know, he, he drives one of our chori bikes now the boys are out on this electric thing that I don't know. We'll find These are very nice bike. Mother's Day gifts. I don't think my Mother's Day gift compares to <laughs> so, I got an ice cream cake from Baskin Robbins. Bro. Yeah, I, don't I, don't know, that, I think I just, I just got like some pancakes. Uh, <laughs> I've got a weird one. Um, yeah. I've been doing a bunch of uh, machine learning programming the last couple of weeks, and I stumbled upon this product called Chroma that's a vector database that I'm very ex- I'm very excited about and uh, do you want quite to explain vector databases or should we uh, save that for another time? I feel like we should uh, save that. We could do it another time, but you know, when you're trying to uh, take some type of data and um, put it into a machine learning pipeline to learn things from it, there's a part of that process called embedding. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different products and I looked at them all and I really like Chroma and it's made my, uh, my sort of creativity has been inspired by it this week. So I view that as a positive. Oh, I also started using, um, there's some runway.ml has some new tools that are kind of cool. Um, that's been like one of my favorite AI tools to date. Plug for the information's generative AI database, about 10 days old, Mm. walks through the 40 to 50 most important companies Mm. in the space. Cool. What, what, what is a pod without a plug? Mm -hmm. We'll drop that in the show notes. Well, it's great to see you guys. Um, this was fun. Yeah. Uh, people should send us their thoughts in the comments, find us on email, the twit, the Twitter. Does I don't think you can say the twit, Jess. Don't. <laughs> I don't know. We're all still on Twitter. Um, Indeed. Linda Yaccarino. We'll get a handle. We'll get a handle going. We'll get a handle. And yeah, thanks for listening. Great to see you guys. See Talk you guys to you next soon. Week. All right. Bye. Bye.